my brother and I um, both kind of have been interested in our genealogy, and uh, my brother even more so than me, just has done some extensive research throughout the years. His wife gave, got him a, uh, his research binded in like a leather book. He, he loves it. And I, and I like just feeding off of his research because it's just interesting to know where you came from, right? And then um, even more exciting than, than just personal research is he got a 23andMe kit for Christmas. And I was really excited because I've wanted to do one of those, but I'm way too cheap to fork over the money to do it. So since my brother's doing it, um, unless something's not as it's, my parents tell me, it should be the same DNA. And so I was so excited. He was so excited. He sent it off as soon as he was there the day the, uh, uh, the, the mail uh, post office opened back up after he got that for Christmas. He was there. Uh, I guess he spit or whatever that you do. And, and he sent it off, sent off his spit. Um, to see what, where we come from. And we were so excited. I think they were backed up for Christmas. It took a long time to get the results back. And we were so excited and we speculated, right? And, you know, we knew, hey, there's like this Indian, uh, one of our grand, grandmothers, you know, like not far back was like a full-blooded Indian. We've heard that all our life. And, and we just knew that there were just going to be these exciting details that would come out that we would just discover like, how, how did we get that blood or whatever? And so the day my brother said, hey, the results, they say it's coming in today. The call's coming. And so he calls me up and he says, we are so white that we make Mitt Romney look like Tupac. <laughs> some of y'all may get that cultural reference. Some of you may not. That's, that, those were his words. He said, we are 99.9999999% British Isles. And we were like, well, what about the Indian, you know? I, we really thought that was true. And, and, uh, and so it was really anticlimactic. We were white as can be. And it's interesting that, that you can spit these days and you can know where you come from. You can know... You know, it's still pretty neat. We could get on there and see what part of, of the different, there's a map that kind of says where your blood uh, comes from, and it's, it's so interesting, and it's so amazing the details that we can get. But we see in our text this morning that really it's all about two families. The most important thing is, is not that we come from different uh, backgrounds and, and different genealogies, the most important thing is, is who is our father? And that breaks us down into two people. Either we're, either God is our father or Satan is our father. And that's what we see in the text this, this morning. Um, that there's a people here who, who thought that because of their genealogy, because, hey, we have Abraham as our father, because we can trace our Jewish lineage, then that means we're okay with God, and the reality was that they remained children of Satan. And so, the first part of our text, it's really about these people that think they're okay with God. They think that they're okay. They're, these Jews do not understand their true condition. They didn't see themselves as lost, as it says in verse 39. They answered him. Okay, so we've been talking about how Jesus has been presenting himself and, 
and their need for him. And their response is this. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Their insinuation here is that they are actually perfectly fine. They need no saving because they were descendants of Abraham. They thought their salvation was automatic. They were under the impression that they were okay. And God had indeed chosen them, right? Like like the Jews were special people. They were the people to which God came to And he came to Abraham and he made these promises that I'm going to make a great nation out of you and you're going to be my people and the nations are going to be blessed because of you. (coughs) And so they were a very, very special people. But what had begun to happen is this national pride that, hey, we're not just like, like God meant for them to be the con, con, conduits of His grace and His law and His, his, his commands. And, and, but they said, hey, we're okay. We've been set aside and we don't have to do anything. All we have to do is have that blood running through our veins and we are perfectly fine before God. We see that they had this wrong. There was more to being a Jew than simply being born to Jewish parents. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, he warns them about their assumption. He says this, Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And so, so John the Baptist is like, this is what they're saying, right? We are Abraham's children. And, and John the Baptist said, do not assume that you're Abraham's children. Paul says in Romans chapter 2, verse 28, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So, they're not okay. They're not okay. They're convinced they're okay, but they're not okay. And so Jesus begins to confront their assumptions. In verse 39, Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, that I heard from God, this is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works your father did. Jesus confronts them with the fact, you say you're a child of Abraham, but the reality is you're not acting very Abraham-like. Like we know, we, we read the accolades of, of Abraham, and he was a man of faith. He was a man who believed God. He was a man who believed the truth. And Jesus says, hey, I'm telling you the truth and you're seeking to kill me. You're not a person that's seeking the truth like Abraham was a person that sought the truth. And he tells him, he said, hey, you're doing the works your father did. And what he's, he's, he's introducing to them, a concept he's going to develop the fact that your father 
is Satan. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. So uh, many believe that this was kind of a poke at Jesus because you know, he's getting personal with them, trying to say that their father isn't who they say they are. And they say, hey, wasn't there some weird stuff that happened with your birth? Like, who's your father? Because your mom was pregnant before she got married to Joseph. So, you want to talk about our lineage? Let's talk about the shadiness of your lineage. And so, they're wanting to divert back to, to him. They got personal just like Jesus was getting personal. And they say, what are you talking about doing the works of our father? Our father is God. And so they say, not only is Abraham our father, but because we're Abraham's children, and God is our father. And Jesus says to him in verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me. For I come from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. But because I tell you, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And so to just sum up what he just said is, Hey, if you really knew God, if God was your Father, you would embrace me. You would love me. Because He's the one who sent me and, and we're one, we're, we're together. You can't have one of us without the other. And so He says, you're rejecting, the reason you reject the truth that I give to you is because you're not of my Father. And then he gets very, very much more personal. In verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. He just says, I'm speaking the truth, but you will not hear it because God, uh, Jesus says here that and I'm speaking the truth, but you do not hear it because God is not your father. Satan is your father. It's pretty personal, right? I mean, when you get down to saying you're a child of Satan, you're getting there, you're getting down there in, in someone's face. And I think there's some amazing application from this, these assumptions that are being made by these people and Jesus trying to shake them from their assumption. And that these Jews were absolutely convinced that God was their father, but the reality was that they were children of Satan. They were a lost people, but they did not know that they were lost. They didn't know. And this is where I think these verses are so incredibly important to us. We live among a lost people that don't know they are lost. Here in the deep south, which is where we live, the buckle of the Bible belt, we live among a people 
who think they're okay. They think that they kind of have a birthright, right? And this southern pride that I'm a southerner and I'm about mom, apple pie, and Jesus. I was born into it. I was listening to one of my favorite country artists' new album this week, and he has a song there called God and Country Music. And in it he sings about the similarities between God and country music. Okay, are they, are they, God and country music, are they really two peas in a pod? I mean, yeah, like, I can enjoy country music, but I don't put it on a, in the same peapod as my God. We listen to country music that says things like, most people are good, them streets of gold are worth the work. It really talk about a God that there's really no gospel in it. But it's kind of part of our southern pride, God is. We, we live among a people who have had some type of religious experience, like these Jews who said, hey, God is our father, we, you know, we, we believe all that stuff. So we, we live among a people who, many of them, even those that don't come from a Christian home, have probably had some experience with God. Maybe they went to church camp with their grandparents' church, or a friend invited them, and they, they maybe, at a young age, had some type of a very mysterious, very mystical experience that they think now, because I... You know, repeated this prayer that the camp pastor prayed, then I'm okay. The reality is, is that they don't, they don't truly believe the gospel, they just think they have. They've been inoculated to it, right? They, they received a little weak bit of the gospel, and, and the guy talked about Jesus, and, and so now they think they've got it when they don't really have the real thing. And again, our, our southern culture with its politeness and its manners and its being neighborly, we, we have a lot of people around us that think, you know, I'm a good guy, I'm a good girl. I, I don't do a lot of bad things that other people do, so surely God's okay with me. We live in the heart of, a, of cultural Christianity. We live among a people like these Jews who are fully convinced that they are children of God and they're children of Satan. And this should lead us to do a couple of things. We should first examine ourselves, right? In this very room, are there those who think are, they are children of God that remain children of the devil? Are there those in this room that are deceived in that way surely surely we live in the heart of a culture of cultural christianity then certainly surely there are cultural cultural christians in this room that don't really have not really embraced the gospel how do you know that you belong to god what's well, not your birthright it's not because mom and daddy went to church or granny and 
Papa went to church. It's not because you had some emotional experience at some point in your life where you repeated a prayer. It's not because you have better morals than your neighbor. It is because you believe and love Jesus Christ and you truly believe his words. In verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I come from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. We know that one of the the benefits of of receiving Christ is is that desire that he puts in us to, to grow, to be sanctified, to be more like him. Can you with confidence say that you believe and love Christ this morning? More importantly, do you know that Christ loves and possesses you can you say that you know that Christ died for your sins on the cross can you say that you are enjoying the benefits of his grace and sanctification if you can say with confidence that you have Jesus and more importantly if you can say with confidence that Jesus has you then you can know with confidence this morning that you are a child of God. But if you can't say those things with confidence, you may need to flee to Christ this morning to truly embrace Him. And not only should it lead us to examine ourselves, we must realize that we have been given a mission in a fertile and challenging mission field. If we are to be evangelists in our culture, and we are, folks, we are to realize that there's lost around us that need the gospel. But if this is true, we have an extra step of effort to help them be found. We must first get them lost. And that in so many ways is the hardest thing. We are in many ways trying to offer a a cure for people that don't know that they're sick. I came across an article a couple of weeks ago and it was uh, a guy, a young pastor, um, talking about how difficult it is to minister in the South. And he tells of the story of he was leaving seminary and, uh, and he had graduated and, and another guy in his class had graduated and, and, and the writer of this article, he was going to Georgia and his friend was going to North California and he remembered feeling very like he was copping out, like, okay, my friend's going to Northern California where the heathens are where those that don't know Christ are. I'm going into the Bible Belt of Georgia to people that already know Jesus. And so he went to his friend, he said, man, I just, I admire what you're doing. I admire that you're going to such a challenging mission field. And here's what his friend said. He said, whatever. 
the Bible Belt is the most difficult place in America to pastor a local church. In California, there is, bare, uh, there is rarely confusion. Either you're a Christian or you're not. In the Bible Belt, many people think they're Christians, but have no concept of the severity of sin, the necessity of repentance, the message of grace, or the overall message of the gospel. They think they're just fine with God, and God is fine with them because they aren't atheists and have been to church before as a kid. It's almost like you have to help get them lost so they can actually be saved. They believe in God, but do not believe their sin has done anything to separate them from Him or to need the Jesus they claim to believe in. I think that assessment is right on. Our main mission is right here in El Dorado, in the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. Again, to bring a cure to people who don't realize they're sick. That's hard. That's hard, folks. Let's embrace that difficult mission, though. Jesus here, because of his love for these people, he's not willing to let them remain in their false assumptions. He presses them more and more. I mean, he's willing to say, you are of your father, the devil. I don't know if you can get more harsh than that. But Jesus loved these people too much to just let them rest in their assumptions that they're okay with God. He was willing to tell them the hard truths. Does this mean we, we simply go out and start calling all of the people around us, you're a child of Satan. You haven't been in church in 15 years, you're a child of Satan. I don't think that's probably the most effective way, but I do think we're going to have to push people a little bit to engage in some hard hard conversations of, of asking searching questions to really see if they understand the gospel or if they're just hanging their hopes on some kind of southern cultural Christianity. We need to, you know, Jesus loved them too much to just say, oh yeah, you, you're children of Abraham, okay. I'm going to just let you believe that. No, he's, he's, gonna, he's pushing them, saying to them, no, you're not okay with God and you need to get right with him. Let us admire and support those frontier missionaries who are blazing a path to those who have never once heard the name of Jesus. But let us not think for a second that there's not a huge, challenging mission that we have right here in El Dorado to people that have heard the name before, to people that think they're okay we have an amazing, difficult, and challenging and pr- wonderful privilege of bringing the gospel here to people that desperately needs it, whether they know it or not. Let's embrace these people we are surrounded with, with the true gospel. So what Jesus does after he's trying to tell them, hey, you're, you're not okay with God, you're a, you're a child of Satan, he begins once again to just offer 
what he's been offering the whole time. He kind of just goes back, almost like a review. And he lifts up himself as the giver of eternal life, first of all, in verse 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus is once again laying for them this, this great, laying before them this great gift of eternal life. The same thing that he offered the woman at the well, the same thing that he offered himself as the bread of eternal life to the multitude. We, through Jesus, are offered the wonderful gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. They may reject it. Many did when Jesus offered it. Yet if we love those around us, if we love those around us, if we love those around us, we will hold out this wonderful gift of Christ of eternal life. And he once again goes back and this permeates this text is his relationship with the Father. Verse 41, Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father. Verse 50, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Verse 54, Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me of whom you say, he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him, for, I, for if I were to say uh, that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him, and I keep his word. These people were convinced that God was their father, but Jesus could not be more clear of the close relationship he had with the father. I love in verse 49, it's the, the, the son, it says the son is seeking the honor of the father. And then those other verses that, that we looked at in, uh, um, in, verses, uh, in, in verse 54, it, it says that the, the father is seeking the glory of the son. And just how they both serve one another and love one another and are seeking the best, you just get this amazing oneness in these verses that man we are together and the reality is is that you cannot you cannot have one without the other you cannot have the father without the son and you cannot have the son without the father we must embrace them both he says jesus uh, it says jesus said to them in verse 42 if god were your father you would love him like that would, if God were your father, you would, you would see me. You would understand who I am. If God is your father, it is evidenced by the fact that you love his son. But it was not just that the father and son shared a relationship. But they existed together along with the Holy Spirit as God, uh, as, as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in eternity past. Look what it, look what he says, and this is 
something that's going to get him into trouble. It's going to shut down the, the conversation real quick. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? So in, in the opening verse, right, they say, we're children of Abraham. And then Jesus is going to say, Jesus says here, hey, you know what? Abraham rejoiced in my day. Abraham was so glad that my day was coming. Folks, people that say that Jesus was a, was a good teacher, they hadn't read much Jesus. Because if, this, if, if he's not the son of God, it doesn't get more arrogant than this. To take this amazing, the amazing Abraham, who was the, the, the one who received the promise, he was considered by the Jews their father, and for him to say, hey, Abraham bend the, bent the knee to me. And so it confuses the people. They say, you're not even 50 years old. Abraham's been dead for a long time. How in the world did he know anything about you? Then Jesus, in one of the most clearest statements of his deity in the scripture, says this in verse 58. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Do you understand what he is saying here? He's not, he not only says that, hey, I existed before Abraham, which would have been big enough, but he throws in, before Abraham was, I am. That name of God that's mentioned in the Old Testament, that I am. Unless we say, oh, that's not really what he was saying. The people knew what he was saying. Because immediately, what do they do? They pick up rocks. And they said, we're, we're, we're ending this guy right now. Because no one says that. And he slips away. He doesn't take it back because it's true. He slips away. And this is the great truth that we must embrace to have God as our Father, that Jesus is the Son. That not only did he exist before Abraham, he existed as the I Am. Though we come in different colors, though our ancestors came from different places across the globe, though we have different parents, different brothers and sisters. Spiritually, we're only of one of two families. We're either a child of Satan, and that's how we're born. That's the condition in our sin. We're born lost, orphans of God and children of Satan. But thanks be to Christ, 
But if we will believe in Christ, if we will accept this amazing truth that, that He is the I Am, then we become children of God. We can say with confidence that God is our Father. Either God is your Father, or Satan is your Father. Can you say with confidence that God is your Father this morning? If, if you can't, then man, flee to Christ. Run to Christ. Believe on Him. Shed off the cultural Christianity of, you know, this, I'm, I'm moral or this is just, you know, I was born into this. No, you're, you're born as a child of Satan. You're only born as a child of God when you embrace Christ fully. And Christian, I would say to you, don't think that you live in a mission field that's, that's done. Because you live in a place where almost everybody's heard the name of Christ. Do not dare think you live among a people that are all children of God. We live in an incredibly difficult and challenging yet beautiful mission field. The opportunity to share the gospel with those who think they know it. To bring the cure to people that don't yet know they're sick. And that's hard and it's challenging, but it is our mission. This is where God placed us in Eldorado, Arkansas in the buckle of the Bible belt. To be a people that would reach people that think they don't need reaching. Let's engage in that this week. Let's engage in that. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. I'm going to ask you to stand as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that if there's anyone in here who is deceived, that thinks that they're your child, but they're not. God, I pray that you would clarify that in their mind, that you would show them their need of Christ. God, I pray that you would move in their hearts. God, I pray for us that you would help us to take up the mantle of our mission, which is of people bringing the gospel to people that don't think they need it. God, help us. Help make us wise. Make us courageous as we seek our friends and our family and our co-workers and our, those around us and we seek to know, to help them to see their need of you, God. Move in us. Give us the courage. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.